Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's Daniel Finkelstein with the Times Red Box Politics podcast. I've been talking to Vince Cable about the election of a new Liberal Democrat leader. Hello, it's Daniel Finkelstein sitting in for Matt Chorley on a big day in the political year. It's the Liberal Democrat leadership announcements. All leadership election announcements are consequential, even though it's fair to say that the Liberal Democrats haven't quite regained their mojo. That's a polite way of putting it since the 2010 election. And Joe Swinson was the latest leader to resign after the general election last year when the Liberal Democrats won 11 seats. In around 20 minutes, we'll find out whether Coalition Minister Ed Davey or the challenger Layla Moran, who thinks the party has to move away from its past, has won the contest. But now I'm joined by the party's former leader and by the cabinet minister, former cabinet minister Vince Cable to talk about the future of the party. Vince, thank you for coming on. Good morning. Thank you. My first outing on Times Radio, so good oh, to speak to you. It's lovely to have you. Um, we just heard on the news you saying that you weren't backing any of the candidates. Is that because you were a former leader? Yes, partly, uh, and partly also because I think they both have considerable merit. And I'd, I'd, you know, if one of them had been seriously um, ahead of the others or defective, I would have uh, picked sides. But I, I think either of them would do the job, and um, so I didn't feel it was useful to wade in in a tribal way. Well, for those people who are not paying sort of minute attention, what what are they arguing about? What's the what are the difference between these two candidates? What what should people make of one candidate winning or the other candidate winning? Well, I think it's it's more about process than policy. It's you know we we have a serious problem which you summarised at the outset that we we've had a bad um, electoral history since two thousand and ten. Uh, we had a, an up at the end of my period of leadership. We, we had big gains in local government and then the 20% poll rating and, and gains in European elections, but then we tanked in the general election. And the, the task of the leader, uh, I guess, is as much as anything else about restoring morale, um, getting uh, getting heard, uh, and that rather than defining in very precise terms what ideology is, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, my take on all this is that there will be a, a swing against this government sooner rather than later. People will be looking for an alternative. Um, a lot of people will be going to reformed Labour, which is you know, currently doing well. Uh, but there are a lot of people who won't support the Labour Party, either for ideological reasons or because they live in the wrong part of the country where Labour stands no chance. And the Liberal Democrats have an opportunity to come through in that kind of way. Is that, so we've isn't, got to prepare for it. Isn't one of the questions uh, about how open the Liberal Democrats are to relations with the Conservative Party, not necessarily whether the party's open to it, but whether they're seem to be open to it and that may be an advantage or a disadvantage so choice of ed davies suggests the parties at home with having been in the coalition uh it's going to present somebody who's been a former minister uh it's open to being a party of the center right as well as being of the center left it doesn't want to be defined and maybe 
choosing Leila Moran, I accept this is a stylized view, but choosing Leila Moran is rejecting that path. Um, what would you say uh, to, to, to that way of framing the choice? I, I think there's something in it, um, but I don't think there is a great deal of appetite for uh, collaboration with the Conservatives for two reasons. One is we were sort of badly stung in the coalition. Though we, we entered into it in good faith, and we thought working with another party in the national interest was the right thing to do, but it, but it, it didn't help us. Uh, and I think the second factor is that the, the change since uh, Boris Johnson took over the uh, strongly populist pro-Brexit position, which we very clearly didn't have and don't have. Um, so I think those two things make collaboration with the Conservatives very difficult, regardless of um, our individual histories. Um, so so I, think, I think that's that's the starting point of both candidates, but, but clearly Leila is more of a post-coalition politician. I mean, I, in saying that, I, I, I don't believe we, we should necessarily abandon the idea of, you know, working with other people in particular contexts. I mean, the, in local government, uh, some of our councils work very well with local conservatives. I mean, a good example is my home city of York, uh, where there's been a stable and quite productive coalition uh, between the conservatives and Lib Dems, and I would support that kind of uh, enterprise. Yeah, your, your logic on uh, collaboration with the Conservatives under Boris Johnson seems sort of fairly robust to me in terms of political strategy. But you see the problem with it. If you do adapt that, doesn't it make having a separate party pointless? Wouldn't it be better just to fold the Liberal Democrats into the Labour Party? You've got a fairly large number of members where it, you know, where you could actually swing the party. You could insure against, uh, you know, a leader of the far left being elected. You could shore up uh, Keir Starmer. Maybe you could help Clive Lewis win proportional representation. Wouldn't that be a better strategy and a better use of all of your time, a uh, better use of your talents than trying to run a party with just uh, 11 MPs? Well, I think a lot of thought was given to this at various periods in the party's history, certainly the sort of Paddy Ashdown years. Uh, and I think that kind of you know, amalgamation strategy doesn't fit for a variety of reasons. I mean, first of all, there are quite strong elements in the Labour Party that aren't particularly liberal. Uh, there are parts of the country where we're dealing with um, you know, Labour councils and local Labour parties with a very hard left or um, tribal and, and very difficult to deal with and where there is a need for a, uh, a, a different take, um, which the, the Lib Dems can offer you. I mean, if you remember that, you know, we have in the past run cities like uh, Liverpool, Hull, Newcastle, Sheffield against Labour machines uh, and on the ground that was the right thing to do to be separately identified. But I think there is, I think the way in which your argument comes together is that the the two parties' interests are essentially complementary rather than competitive. And there are when we get to the next general election, there will be thirty plus seats where maybe more where Labour stand absolutely no chance. Uh, the Lib Dems are quite well entrenched. Places we should have won last time, you know, Winchester, Guildford, um, Cheadle, places of this kind. Uh, and in a complementary way, as in the sort of Ashdown Blair years, we we could um, we could form a, 
help to form an alternative to the Conservative administration. Yeah. But as, as sort of Ramsey McDonald and, and Asquith concluded, maybe the best thing to do in those circumstances is have a relationship before the election. After all, if you know you're not going to go in with the Conservatives, there's nothing to stop you doing that. Wouldn't, wouldn't the best thing for a new leader be to go and see Keir Starmer and say, you want to get your red wall seats back. Um, we're not going to stop you trying to do that. We can win in some of these seats in the South. You stand down for us. We'll stand down for you. Uh, and I'm sure we can reach some sort of agreement afterwards. Well, whether it's done by uh, winks and nudges or by you know, explicit agreement, I think is a, a matter of a discussion in the next few years. But I, I, I think in the British system, you know, the nudges and the winks is, is, that, is actually the, the way things have to be done. I think people don't react well to electoral pacts. Um, you, it generates all kind of passion. The, the relations with Labour people is often very poor. Um, so I, I think it has to work that way with, with an acceptance that's under this rather deforming British electoral system. Um, you know, there has to be an implicit understanding of, of tactical voting rather than that open collaboration. Won't Ed Davies struggle a bit more than Leila Moran with that kind of nudge and wink because he was a coalition minister? Uh, you know, and you and I know that that uh, doesn't mean he abandoned whatever he thought and he may have argued for it. Uh, but perhaps I'm seeing that, uh, you know, from a sort of Cameron supporters perspective. You're seeing it from a Liberal Democrat uh, perspective. Um, seen from a Labour perspective, he kind of collaborated with the Tories, didn't he? Well, that 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 kind of thinking is is very tiresome. It is, as you imply, still around, and and we still get um, some of the baggage from the, the coalition thrown at us. I think the current leadership of the Labour Party, I think and I hope, is a bit more adult than that. But but it it it, it certainly is there. Um, but I think Ed's participation in the coalition would, if he wins, you know, work to his advantage. In some respects, I mean, he had a very good track record in uh, environmental policy. He contributed to, um, you know, thinking on economic matters. He's very well qualified in in economic issues. Uh, and actually, in terms of the, the you know the big positioning issue that you raise, I mean, he all his life in political life in Kingston, his next door constituency to mine, you know, the opposition is the Tories. He's solid, Ed, isn't he? But he isn't particularly exciting, or at least I, I think that voters might conclude that. Uh, you know, Paddy Ashton had dynamism. You, you know, you, you could sell to the voters wisdom. Uh, Ed Davey definitely has solid. Uh, maybe uh, Leila Moran is a bit more unpredictable. How would you set about, uh, if you were Ed Davey, uh, for example, selling yourself? Would you, sell, would you double up on solid? And would you say, here's a, a solid former minister? Or would you say, uh, I'm got, I've got to move away from that because if I'm seen as solid only, I'm doomed? I, th I think doubling up on solid is the sensible thing to do. I think that the public and the party would quickly um, suspect anything that sounded very phony and uh, attempts to create charisma. I mean, we have had people in the past who've tried to do that. Um, no, I think doubling down on solid is the right thing to do. Um, you know, Leila is a different character, as you say. She's very... Uh, Actually, you know, very lively, interesting, highly intelligent, um, highly competent in the areas where 
she has knowledge and experience, particularly education, but but is 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 more of a spark, and that's her strength in this contest. Now, who do you think is going to win? I, I I heard you say you thought it was going to be close. Yes, I, I, it, there's no way of judging this. Actually, it's very unlike previous contests, uh, inside and outside parties that I've had some experience of. Extremely difficult to judge. Um, the, the, the feedback I've had from activists is that, um, you know, it is reasonably close. Uh, we don't know how many people have actually voted. But that will make a, a big difference, whether some of the new people who came in over the European issue are still around and still voting, or whether it's the traditional uh, local government base of the well, party that has been most engaged. We simply Vince, don't know Vince, those you- things. We better go to the news now and get a news update so that we can go live to the results after it and you've kindly agreed to stick with us. Here's Alex Dibble. If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, this is Daniel Finkelstein sitting in for Vince, uh, for Matt Chorley, but with uh, Vince Cable. And uh, we're going to cut in when we have the uh, leadership election results. But just for the moment, as a strategic uh, issue, there's a strong strand coming across from the, uh, from the United States, really, of what one might call woke liberalism, uh, ultra-liberalism that expresses itself in, in uh, campaigns on ethnic issues and takes one particular side in the culture wars. Is the right thing for a liberal party, particularly a small party, to be the kind of warrior for that sort of liberalism, hoping to get young voters um, against a sort of more stodgy traditionalist Labour Party? Or is the right position to be the sort of moderate, almost like a neutral in what might emerge as a culture war? Well, my instincts are very much the latter. Um, I I I think that kind of extreme form of um, intolerant liberalism is is a contradiction in terms and not something which is very appealing. So I I certainly wouldn't go down that road. And I think although the concept of moderation is a little bit weak, you might say, um, I think it's the right one. I mean, that's not to say we shouldn't continue to defend liberal principles. I mean, there were certain issues in the coalition where, you know, I in particular took quite a strong line on immigration policy. We we pushed the gay marriage issue and a few others. So, you know, liberalism with a small L is very much part of our DNA, but I, I wouldn't like to see it in a caricatured and extreme form. I guess it would give you something new to say because, uh, you know, you've got to fill a Brexit-shaped hole. You've got to give people something that the Liberal Democrats stand for, that Labour doesn't, that the Tories obviously don't. Uh, or do you not? Do you think I'm framing that strategy wrongly and that's actually not the way that you should operate? Well, I think it's a combination of things that has to happen. I mean, liberalism with a small L is part of that, and that also... 
I think applies to economic policy. We're, we're not a socialist party. We, we, we are economically liberal. Um, I think having an international outlook is part of our tradition and very important, the, the Iraq war to fighting Brexit. And, of course, a lot of the European issues are currently in abeyance, but they're going to come back to the fore. And although the Liberal Democrats shouldn't be campaigning for instantly rejoining the European Union, it makes no sense. Uh, the idea of close relationships is going to be a, a pretty salient issue, I think. So I think there's a, there's a combination of issues there which uh, should apply rather than lo- looking for some sort of magic bullet. There, there is a kind of core of people who are you know, extremely unhappy about the uh, Brexit referendum result even now. Uh, there are a lot of people who are there's big groups of people who are unhappy, but there's a core of people who don't really accept it. And I suppose those people do represent a possible core or a base. Or do you feel you tried that strategy with Revoke at the last general election and it, and it didn't really work? Do you, do you want to go back to being the party of those people? I, I thought the Revoke strategy was a mistake. Um, I, I thought it was much more... We'd built up a lot of credibility as one of the leading forces within the um, referendum movement, um, and we should have stuck with it. And I think Revoke alienated quite a lot of people. But nonetheless, uh, the idea of being the party that, that speaks up for close relationships with the European Union uh, will continue to be relevant. A lot, of course, depends on what happens in the United States. I mean, if Trump wins another four terms, uh, the you know another four years in office, you know, there will be an absolutely compelling argument to distance ourselves from the other side of the Atlantic and rebuild some of our very damaged relationships with Europe. And how would you uh, avoid the problem of being just squeezed by the Labour Party at this point as they begin to move away from Corbyn? We're going to go President live, Vince, actually, Democrats, before you answer that. And I know you're not here to hear from me. So before moving on to the result, I just want to very briefly but very sincerely say thank you to all of the staff and volunteers who have worked so hard to make this election run so smoothly and at such a challenging time. To the result, there were 117,924 ballot papers issued, a record high for any of our leadership elections. Turnout was 57.6%. The votes for each candidate were Ed Davey, 42,756. Leila Moran, 24,564. And so Ed Davey has been elected the next leader of the Liberal Democrats. Congratulations, Ed. Well, that was uh, not the close result that maybe uh, some people expected. And Vince certainly thought it was quite likely to be close. But Vince, you were correct that Ed Davey Davey was more likely uh, to win. A pretty solid uh, victory for him. Uh, Do you think there's um, something in the margin or does the margin not matter after this afternoon? No, I think margins do matter. No, I think there's quite a lot of encouragement from a high level of participation. Um, but margins matter. I mean, if you remember uh, when Nick, Nick Clegg defeated Chris Hewn, it was by a very, very narrow margin, and it left a kind of legacy of um, you know questions about you know real real leadership for quite some time. And, and Nick had to work very hard to establish his um, 
his leadership role, but I think this time it's unambiguous. Um, you know, Ed has clearly now got the party behind him and has got to um, embark on the long process of rebuilding and starting with local government, where he has a he has a foothold and is well re- regarded amongst the council groups. And I think the next milestone is. May, when we have uh, local government elections, and we would expect to do well in some of them. How did he put together a team? Because he's got so few people in Parliament. Uh, do, does it, is there a role plan for you, for example? In uh, Does he have a, a kind of uh, wise heads group from the party past and uh, from people who stood down from Parliament, for example? Well, I would like to play a, a role. I'm not sure what it would be. I mean, I have now retired. I'm doing other things. But um, if I can be useful, I certainly will. But I think the, the the reservoir of talent in the House of Lords, amongst your colleagues there, there are some very good people. And that makes up for the deficiency of people in the House of Commons. And, and I go back to the issue of local government. We have some very, very good people you know, running local councils, running large groups. You've got a lot of ex- executive experience as well as political experience, and I'd expect to see them drawn on. I know what I would do if I was Labour today. I would go all out to say, well, the Liberal Democrats have chosen a uh, Tory leader, effectively, somebody who was at home in David Cameron's government, who was uh, responsible for the policy of austerity, um, who um, was part of the party leadership that suffered a massive defeat in uh, 2015. They've turned back uh, rather than looking forward. Uh, how does Ed Davey spring that trap? You know, you've argued, and I think, with a lot of force that he ought to double up on solid. But if he doubles up on solid, he's also possibly doubling up on that problem. Well, it's not really a trap because it's so blindingly obvious that that is what they're going to say and have been saying. Um, I, I think I think if the Labour Party is smart, they, they will avoid just sort of refighting the old coalition battles. I mean, I think the public's moved on. Uh, and many of their more intelligent members have moved on too. So uh, it, it will happen, and he will have to respond to it, and he will have to defend the things that the coalition gives. It's a lot of very positive things, progressive things, and as well as explaining some of the more difficult things in the coalition, but actually to move on from it uh, and to try to have a, um, as I said earlier, a complementary relationship with the Labour Party, which isn't based on you know, refighting old battles. Does he personally, do you know whether he personally has good relationships with leadership of the Labour Party? Does he uh, have a relationship with Keir Starmer, for example? Um, I, I don't know, but, but I would su- be surprised if he didn't. I mean, I, I, mean I, I had to deal with Keir Starmer a lot when I was leader of the party, and he's a very sensible, um, you know, quite engaging, uh, practical sort of person. So I, I would be very surprised if Ed has got uh, bad relations with him. So... Take me through a little bit about um, what happened at the last general election because uh, it matters now to the strategy that um, Ed Davey picks. Uh, Jo Swinson went for distinctiveness. She went for uh, having this kind of Brexit base. She quite boldly agreed uh, to have a general election when some people thought that was incautious. And, of course, the results uh, speak for themselves. What does Ed Davey do now to use the good things that Joe Swinson did, but also to move on from the mistakes that she made? 
Well, I think we have drawn a line under what was a very bad experience. There was a report done by uh, Dorothy Thornhill, uh, Lady Thornhill in the House of Lords, uh, which is pretty comprehensive and I think right. I mean, it sort of acknowledges that there were some bad mistakes made, uh, one of which was pushing for an early election that wasn't necessary and it was on terms that Johnson wanted. Uh, the revoke strategy wasn't right. Uh, the campaign was uh, somewhat too personalised when we had a very good team of people, some of whom had recently come across from other parties. So the mistakes were made, but I, th I think in, in many ways, uh, whoever was leader, and if, even if I had continued, um, it would have been difficult to keep up the level of support that we had um, following the local and the European election. And the reason for that was that in many parts of the country, there were conservative voters who were inclined to vote for us, and there were Remainers, but they were so frightened about the Corbyn government that they, they went back to the Tories. And there was whoever was leading the Lib Dems or whatever the strategy was, we were going to be, be hit by that backlash. And that, that isn't going to happen in future. So. So the next leader has uh, has the advantage of operating in a somewhat less toxic environment uh, as far as the leadership of the Labour Party is concerned. How should he talk about the past? You know, the way that I explain it is I think Nick Clay took an incredibly brave decision to be uh, in government. If you're not going to ever be in government, what's the point of having a political party? If you are in government, you're bound to make sacrifices of some of your voters, particularly if you're a party equibalance, you know, balance between uh, the two parties. There's a lot to be proud of and a lot to defend in the record that you had in office. Um, but the more that you defend it, the more you're digging Ed Davey into being the former Tory uh, Liberal Democrat minister in, a, in, in David Cameron's government. So um, do you say, I'm really proud of what I did, you know, uh, in your case, for example, having a senior cabinet minister for years, the, the big part of, you know, your career? Or does Ed Davey say, um, I think we made a mistake? What does he do about that in the past? Well, I think it has to be the former. I mean, some people are annoyed by it. Uh, some of the Labour people, as we've discussed, um, make make mileage out of it, but I, I don't think there is there's any honest and credible strategy beyond saying what you've just said, that working towards government is what we're about. We were in government, we did a good job, we made some mistakes, but overall we did a good job. Uh, we contrast the chaotic experience of the last five years with the stability and the good things that were done in the previous five years. We're not ashamed of it. But, you know, we're now in a different environment and we want to talk about the future, but, but not in any sense disowning the past. Well, one last thing, because I, I have to ask this when I have you on. Uh, you were somebody who saw the crash coming uh, before it did uh, in 2008. What do you think the outlook is now for the economy? Well, I think there, it doesn't, doesn't require to be, I think, what Mr Cummings calls a super forecaster to see that there is a, a major downturn on the way. Uh, and I think the consensus is that the UK will see a loss of about 10% in the economy this year, which is twice as bad as in the um, financial crash year. Um, and that seems to be factored in. I think we recover, but slowly, maybe two to three years Certainly unemployment is going to be hanging around for quite a long period, as it did in the 1980s. 
I mean, those are the big economic challenges, uh, and they're going to be very, very difficult. I don't. I think the optimism of three months ago that we just get a sort of V-shaped recovery and back to normal, I just don't see that happening. And not least because uh, this is a global crisis, unlike the financial crisis in 2008-9, which was North America and Europe and Japan. Uh, this is also China, India everywhere else and you know britain is is caught up in the in a big global downturn well vince uh, i've written all that down thank you so much for coming on we've uh, found it very valuable to share your wisdom and ideas and thoughts as we got the liberal democrat leadership election live thank you very much vince cable that's all we've got time for on this episode of the red box podcast uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the times radio app where you can also now listen to all of the times podcasts including red box too make sure you subscribe and review at the red box podcast wherever you listen but for now for me matt chorley it's goodbye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.